0: This is the Skirted Roundtable. I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings.
1: And this is Megan Arquette from Beach
2: Bungalow 8. And this is Joni Webb with Code to Texas.
0: And this week on the Skirted Roundtable, we are thrilled to be welcoming designer extraordinaire Miles Redd. Miles, thank you so much for joining us.
3: I am delighted to be on your show, and this is very exciting. I feel so um, modern and high tech.
0: <laughs> That's us, modern and high I tech.
3: Do.
0: <laughs> And we're going to be talking to you about your amazing design work and your background and and your fantastic, I mean, incredibly beautiful new book, well-titled The Big Book of Chic, which is just probably one of the funnest book titles to come out in a long time. Oh, um, thank you. So one thing we like to do is a lot of our listeners are designers, um, and we like to hear about how successful people have gotten to where they are. Um, so maybe you could tell us um, about your background. One of the first things, um, if people have your book, will notice is this incredibly beautiful picture of your parents on their wedding day, um, in your dedication. Oh, and, thank you. And so, yeah, if you could just tell us, you know, where you come from and how you got to be Miles Red, famous decorator. I
3: <laughs> I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and, and um, I would say that definitely the South and sort of Southern style deeply influences my sensibility, but I guess I sort of translated into sort of a New York-y kind of, I would say vaguely European mm-hmm. aesthetic because I, I like that that look, the the look of sort of high-style European kind of decadence in full bloom is really what I gravitate to, but, but I like it in a sort of, with Southern warmth all around it. <laughs> and I think that that's the one thing that... Um, that the South taught me is that you, you were relaxed in those kind of interiors, and I feel like European, and specifically English and French interiors, there's such such a sort of mannerism that's going on. They don't act, actually make you feel relaxed. And while I like it visually, I realize that um, it can sort of make people feel uncomfortable, and so I'm always kind of striving to make people feel comfortable, and I think that's what the South taught me and uh, i worked for bunny williams and she's also a a great southern tastemaker and Mm -hmm. i think she taught me a lot and uh, um i went to actually nyu i was a film major and i actually started at parsons you know i just had a lot of creative energy sort of swirling in my mind and when i started decorating and i love that dog barking (laughs) 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 i'm sorry (laughs) Adorable, actually, um, when I started, you know, kind of decorating, I tried all these kind of mediums and none of them kind of felt exactly right. Like I tried fashion and I had tried photography. I had tried film. I had tried um even fine arts which I actually probably that's the closest thing that kind of came to me that that I, I would have I would have loved to have been a fine artist but I probably would have gone hungry and I was certainly a, custom to some of the finer things in life and wanted to actually enjoy that. So when I started doing decorating, it just, it all kind of came together. I think it sort of uses all those disciplines and um, really just sort of fit for me. And people always say like, oh, how did you get successful? And I would say, you know, I was passionate about it for one thing, but I think I also... I just showed up every single day and was willing to do anything. And that was really, I'd say, the, the the main key to my success. I kind of was lucky enough, and I think I sort of slightly fell into it, to work for some really, really talented people that kind of opened my eyes. And that was, that was super lucky. But I think in the, the world today, and I'm sorry if I'm... I feel like I'm speaking in a monologue, but I feel like in the world today, there's so much you can do to sort of educate yourself by just, you know, the internet is just a window into everything. And so I think looking at things and studying things and saying, yes, is just a huge part. And, you know, returning phone calls promptly is just a huge part of my, my success.
1: That's interesting because a couple of years ago we were thinking of our favorite list of people we wanted to have on the show, and of course you were on it. And I, you know, not everyone returns your call, uh, or they'll, uh, you'll get a call back a few weeks later, an email back from an assistant, or uh, you know, you actually. And this, I know how busy you are, but you actually called me back, and I sat there on my cell phone, standing on La Cienega, talking to you, kind of freaking out, like. God I'm talking to him on the phone. This is crazy but, uh,
3: I, I I wonder why that is. I feel like you know it that that is a product of the media and sort of I, I and I think that's honestly um kind of a lame way when when people <laughs> like talk through assistance and talk through and they become so self-important that you can't pick up the telephone and have a conversation um and that's a place I really never want to get to I I, like I think that's just that's a problem with the world we have today
1: (laughs) well I think that definitely yeah and I think I will tell you that is a definitely a quality of yours that um precede you. Because every time anyone brings up your name in conversation, everyone's like, hey, have you met him? He's, the ni- he's such a nice, humble guy. And because so many people, in fact, Linda and I were having this conversation before we got on the air. We were having this, I said, he's just so nice. He's humble. And in this world, there are so many people that it's about pomp and circumstance sometimes. And so they take on that air, which is unfortunate because <laughs>
3: You can you know, take thank my parents for that
1: one. I wish I didn't know. I you uh, Reggie. Mr. a good job. Mr. And Mrs. Red, you, Mr. Mrs. Reggie. did a thumbs That's
2: up. Right. Job I, to I, parent w- to parent. I wish know. I'd have known this because I've been so nervous all day thinking about oh, this interview oh, with the great Miles Red, you know, and studying the book and worrying about, you know Lord. what we are gonna talk about and so it's yeah. nice to know that, you know. It's it's really great.
1: Miles, what did your parents do? What did what what were their professions, or what what was why were you exposed, or how were you exposed to art and creativity, and how did they support you in it and help nurture that from you in
3: you? Um, I you know my my father was a real estate developer and or is a real estate developer, and my mother um, is was a homemaker, and uh, you know I give credit to honestly both of them. 'Cause my father's sort of even though I would say my father's probably not deeply interested in the arts, he's not, not interested in it. But he's just like, Follow your passion, do what comes naturally and learn a trait were sort of the kind of things that he said, Learn something that you do well and do it over and over again. And that was kind of the advice that he hmm. gave to me and he said, Like, you you know, he recognized that I was creative and he was like, I think you should pursue this i think you should go for it you 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 seem to have that talent that seems to where your your mind lays um and then you know my mom it just is a a quintessential southern lady and um i mean you never realize it as a child how someone has so much kind of taste and style and um because it's just your mom you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but um but i mean now i'm kind of like oh my gosh what was i you know i grew up with one of the the, the i mean to me she is the greatest lady of all time because she's my mom but um but it it is her, like it's her way and her her manners i think that that if anything that I, I i sort of get my sort of sense of kind of speaking to everyone the same whether it's the queen of england or someone that is down and out you've talked to everybody the same and that's that's them so hats off mom and dad hats off that's right and for sure
2: and you live in the townhouse your sister lives there too
3: yes yes we're a very tight family okay. um it's just my sister and myself and um she moved to new york probably about 15 years ago and we were both kind of looking for a place to buy at the same time and we ended up fi- finding this great townhouse that her actually future husband ended up selling to us and we were like let's make it into two apartments and we made it into two apartments and it was very kind of upstairs downstairs in a way um, which was super fun and then she eventually got married and has three kids and is sort of um, I think a little bit bursting at the seam, I think, uh, I mean, she's actually moving on to greener pastures in oh. about a year, but, but it's, we've had a great, we've had a great 15 year run and, uh, and I mean, I, I will, um, I try to embrace change, even though sometimes I struggle with it, but I try to <laughs> embrace change. Well, are and, you going
2: to move too?
3: No, 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 no. I will, you know, I, will, space? I will just redecorate. Okay. <laughs> it's just a new decorating project for me. Well, it's an iconic place. I,
2: I know, I know. That people go by there, you know, like make a pilgrimage to see, you know, your townhouse. So it, it's Be, so famous. Wait, can the I ask are-
1: you? I'm sorry, <laughs> I totally interrupted you, but I have to just get this out here. What we all at some point want to know what the color is of those doors. Okay, now.
3: The, the pale blue front door. Everyone mm-hmm. always sort of is asking me that question. Mm-hmm. If I had a nickel for... But, <laughs> you know, uh, honestly, I wish I could tell you. It was me with... The, the, it, it, the door was lacquered. And so colors outside are always just sort of curious thing. And, like, I picked a color which... Looked completely different outside in the light and so I had the, the person who was painting it I was like make it a little darker make it a little grayer make it a little paler and so he was just mixing in tints and paints and whites and then when we finally achieved the color that I was like ah, oh, I love that color um he just lacquered it on but there's no there's no Benjamin Moore or Fine Paints of Europe color that I can rattle off and I would because I don't care <laughs> <laughs> Now what happens when you have
0: to touch it up?
3: <laughs> what happens if I have to oh you know what? When they did it, they mixed up a huge uh-huh. like batch of it. And <laughs> so um and, and the painter's a pretty pretty good painter. Yeah. Um I think he's the one you should probably be interviewing. Um <laughs> But he just would come and color match it on. Okay,
1: if you sold little three ounce vials of that paint color, then I bet you could
3: make <laughs> four. Oh, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> oh, that's the heck of five cents. That was a good idea. It is. <laughs> it's not really good? good. <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought about that. There
2: you go. Uh, just, yeah. well, how do you? How do you feel about? sharing your sources and are you one of the designers I'm
3: a big that big sharer? I think it's what makes the world goes round and sort of anything that you put out it, it it comes walking right back through the door and um you know if I if I can share a source or a vendor or, or any kind of thing I always do just because, to me, it's not. I mean, first of all, it's all the people that you're working with. So you want them to have more work, and you know, work with great people. And um, and secondly, it, 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 you're not. I feel like people that protect things, they're just living in fear. Like fear of what? Like I, no one can duplicate rooms. You know, I I try I copy. All the time, and it always comes out differently. And I think that you have to realize that when it sort of comes through your sort of lens, it's going to have its own signature. And like, you, nobody owns anything, and if you think that you're right. a lunatic,
0: well, if you say, as you <laughs> say, my, my yeah, ability. I mean, you use the term "copy," but it's—I think it's more, you know, maybe take inspiration from. And,
3: interpret, and, interpret, interpret, yeah, and completely knocked off. Brook Astor's library in a house in Atlanta, and I will one thousand <laughs> percent own it to like Albert Hadley's inspiration. But like, the, I know just, that
2: one you're talking it about. Just
3: worked. It just worked and and it still feels different. Do you know what I mean? It still feels different. But um, but yeah, I'm always constantly taking inspiration from somebody or something, and I think. Often you do have to look backwards to look forwards
0: well last year at last year at the architectural digest show you were part of I was at the panel that you were on with um, um, people whose names are escaping me embarrassingly and about travel and inspirations from travel and you went I think you went through a series of photographs of I saw this over in England and this is what it's in my house looking like that and some acanthus leaf something and I forget all the details but you know it was really like you know take what's been done and yeah. try make it your own
3: I'm always borrowing from something I mean I feel like I've had a few original ideas not too many but like maybe two <laughs> I like to set my zebra torch. <laughs> that's yeah. one and I think that my um there's a lime green breakfast it's a lime green tortoise breakfast table that's another one but it's just really you know, taking two disparate subjects and making them, you know, new. Like, I guess you, you don't t- typically see a, a lime green tortoiseshell finish on an English breakfast table, but it works.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what about that
3: famous bathroom of yours? Tell
1: me, I'm kind of, how does that work? You found?
3: I mean, I honestly me was, I was, was in Chicago and I was you know, shopping in sort of various nooks and crannies in a place that's called Salvage One, which is sadly no longer, but they used to have lots of kind of, they salvage things and they had, you know, wonderful doors and wonderful sinks. And, um, it was kind of like a sort of what urban archeology span was when it first started, you know, um, it's a difficult business, I believe to sustain, but, um, but they had the this amazing armor bathroom, which I recognized because I was a huge fan of David Adler, but a complete bathroom intact, just sort of sitting there in a thousand pieces collecting dust. Nobody really wanted to buy it. And um, a friend of mine, James Sharon, who is from Chicago and who I was with, um, said, you know, the Art Institute of Chicago should really own this you know, iconic room. And I was like, couldn't agree more, but if they don't buy it, I want to buy buy it. It Like me waiting. And, and so they went to look at it and they weren't interested. And so I bought it, like not knowing it was going to fit, not knowing anything, but I just, it was such a sort of special, unique thing. And I was going to do it one way or another. And it like, I do feel like the decorating gods were um, looking after me because we were in the middle of a renovation and like, I, I had to gut my entire house to get it in but it completely (laughs) fit in perfectly and um, it's just it's such a sort of revelation and such a marvel to have and I'm glad that it's like that that it's, you know, someone who truly, I mean, mirrored 1930s bathrooms are like my DNA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm met. glad like, I get to, to use it and enjoy it. And it's sort of not in a museum and kind of a more precious kind of surrounding. Um, it probably has way more exposure <laughs> with me than it ever would have had in a museum. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. Um,
1: Do you, is it true that you have had parties in it?
3: Uh, they are they're in the book. They are in the book. I'm, they are?
1: So I like, don't
3: know if I didn't see that. the house, and so it doubles as, like, a dinner party. There's a kind of okay. a funny story. Like, there, there, there's there, there's one time I was, like, having a dinner party, and I usually have dinner parties in the summer on the, on my terrace because it's kind of an, it's an easier place to do it. But it's, like, it's 6 o'clock after we sort of set everything up, pour down rain, like, just out of nowhere. And, like, we moved the uh, dinner party upstairs to the bathroom. And I do do it. Um, it, it, it. It, it, And it's totally unique and completely fun. And people are always, like, gaga. Um, it's not my favorite thing in the world to have people dining in your <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it definitely does work. And it is sort of unique. It's a unique experience. I
2: probably should know this, but who did take that
3: photograph of you? Uh, Leap, leaping in the bathroom, sure. and I did actually well, claim credit for for jumping out of that that sort of French chair. Um, Paul Costello took it, and um, uh, he is he took a lot of the photographs in the book, and is just such a brilliant photographer. And we had we he's a great friend of mine, first of all, and um, we just work so well together. And he he knows that I'm game for hamming it up. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel like. If you're going to, like, you know, that, that portrait was taken because House and Garden was like, oh, we want to do a portrait for you. And I was like, well, you know, how often is this going to happen? I'm not, you know, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> so it's not going to happen all the time. And I uh, you might as well kind of go for it. And um, I was actually inspired by, there were all these photographs that, um, Patrick Demarchelier took, and actually he was knocking off, um, I think Cartier Bresson, who took all these pictures of women like flying and leaping all over Paris. And there's a picture, and they, when Liz Tilberis took, like was doing Harper's Bazaar, they did a sort of like a shot of like Linda Evangelista flying for Paris. And I was like, that's what we're going to do. And so Paul was like, well, put on your top hat and tails and start jumping.
0: (laughs) How how many um, tries did it take?
3: You know, I mean, I think we got it fairly soon. I mean, I probably jumped about 10, 15 times.
1: I love that uh, photograph. I'm assuming it's you playing ping pong.
3: Yes. Yes, yes, with Allison, um, a okay. native of Houston, Allison Seraphim, and that for actually that was a Vogue shoot with Hamish Bowles, who is just the most stylish man in the world, yeah. um, and uh, and Allison, who is the most stylish woman in the world, just playing ping pong in a ball gown. <laughs> so <laughs> great, as you do, so as okay. <laughs> you do, as you do. It's great. And
0: so your book is really just, it's just unbelievable. Uh, You know, just
3: incredible. It's it's about inspiration. I I didn't want to give too much away. Like, I purposely sort of let other people speak for myself and really not sort of tell the story because I felt like, one, When I do have to go and speak, I can tell the story, and it gives me something to do. (laughs) And two, I think that so often you infer your own story, you know, from the picture and from the mood, and that's better. That's what I've always done myself, Um, and I sort of wanted to allow for that.
1: I, for one, have always have always been drawn to your images of your spaces and pulled them and kept them and all that sort of thing. I think initially because of your use of color and pattern. And I know that that's what you're known for. And, you know, I think that that's something that is really unique to you. I mean, a lot of designers, great designers have a really good handle on color, but you use it in this uh, brave is the best word I can think of right now, but the bravest way but it works. So it, you know color through and through. I think like no other designer of our
3: time. Oh, thank you. I mean, people always say, like, how, why, how do you do that? I'm like, it, it seems obvious to me. So, like, I, I, I guess that is just kind of your instincts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people will say, you know, wh- how do you come up with these r- wild color combinations? And I'm like, have you looked in nature? I mean, because right. they're all there. Like, the wildest color combinations are you know in a monarch butterfly or a, you know a parrot or you know very exuberant colors and uh, um so i i it, it seems pretty obvious to me i guess i don't know but i just do what feels fresh
1: <laughs> and it always works i mean it's it's pretty that for sure and this book in particular this book i think you know I'm, i know you had a book designer and everything as far as that goes but it's amazing that they were able to capture all of these all of these aspects, the way that you've described yourself. And so it's this very elegant, almost, almost 1930s French looking cover. And then you go through it and the layout of it and the photos they've used are just full of, uh, they're lively and they're full of all the colors that we know
3: you. Yeah. I guess for, for me, like I'm a huge sort of collector of books and sort of when I started to make one, like, I mean, I, I went to all the books that I loved and, there are many sort of inspirations. One was um, the Vogue, the old Vogue book of House and Garden, which I love. Yeah, I, kind of, I can I love. see that. I can see that in here. And then the, the the thing, like, I always had the title in my head. It was just kind of like a, always a working title in my mind. Um, Osa Johnson, I don't know if you know that book. I yes. married Adventure with the, the sort of zebra I cover. noticed you
1: had those, too.
3: That that was a, as a, was always like to me the greatest kind of book spine and like I, I think if you pull back the leaf of the book you'll see that the underside like if you don't have the dust jacket is just a cover of my zebra door which is kind of a, an homage to her and then the other person that I have to credit is like my favorite house book is Bruce Weber's a house is not a home. And that is really where the inspiration for the sort of the layout, the details, the type of photography, the juxtaposition of the images, and those were sort of the three kind of working. I have to say, Avedon's nineteen forty-seven to nineteen seventy-seven. Those were like the, the the books that I loved, and like that um, kind of infused my sensibility. And um, Camille Dubois, who was Asseline's book designer, just got me and got it and. We had such a good time. I would just feed her images after images after images, you know, and we would edit down and kind of, like, meet and, like, look on a computer and blow things up and, you know, kind of, um, you know, make that black and white and, you know, where do we need a quote? Where do we need, like, sort of more of a story? And she really helped me kind of um, articulate what I was trying to do. Yeah. so often to me books sit on coffee tables and like I just like them as a sort of styling purpose and for me the big book of chic just that alone always like I always loved I gotta also give credit to the flair book fleur Coles, which was just Mm -hmm. a red cover with white flair sort of like dashed off in text and like that to me always looked so iconic and beautiful on a coffee table that I thought you know I'm not gonna have an image of some sort of decorated room because somehow that kind of takes away and so to me just having the text and the red and the white did more than any kind of interior ever would Mm
2: -hmm. well what's like amazing is like for instance a house in houston with the blue and white curtains and then you have audrey hepburn with just the ribbon and Black, you know, and it just ties, everything ties together
3: very subtly. No, I mean, that was what I was thinking about when I was designing those curtains. Like, I mean, that house in Houston, they were, I mean, the most wonderful couple lives there. And they were like, we love curtains and we want, you know, fabulous curtains. And so I really wanted to give them something that, you know, that... That embodied all that they were after and so I was just soul searching and I was looking at like old books of Cecil Beaton and like I looked at the way that sort of ribbons and stripes and bows sort of swirled around and I thought how can I translate that into curtains and like I think that's a lot of the images that you see like I I go to sort of like art and painting I think there's there's a house in Connecticut with a bright yellow front door and you see a painting by Soraya that has sort of Bright yellow and kind of these deep sort of indigo blues, and that was the inspiration for that color palette. And um, Eve Klein for that sort of you know that, deep yeah. deep deep blue for the the that apartment in New York with the red upholstered doors, and it just I wanted to sort of say these are these are the things that I look at, and this is how it's coming out through me.
2: Well, that Houston house, I that living room, when I the first time I saw it, my mouth was stuck, and it's still one of my favorite of your, the, the curtains are like little pagodas. I mean, they're yes. amazing. Yeah. yeah.
3: I do like a little a Chinese motif <laughs> in, in bangs, definitely.
2: Oh, God. I mean, and I just study that probably for like three hours thinking, you know what, give it up, honey. <laughs> I mean, yes, ah. this is... You, oh, you know, know what, one thing show, I think and, that
0: really, uh, really lends itself to the freshness of this book is the fact that We've seen the the picture of that living room other places, and and it's so striking, I think. It's so striking that that you remember it, but to see just the little piece of the detail and another perspective just makes it, you know, special to see the different perspectives of things we may have
3: trying to do is also not kind of have like a rehash of a lot of magazine stories and even though you do you you do want to put in things that were yours I was trying to put it in a kind of fresh context and sort of to show you I guess through my lens because when a magazine takes a story they have a different perspective they're they're trying to appeal to their readers the one great pleasure of this book that Asseline gave me is they let me just like appeal to myself and that was that was just such a a remarkable gift, you know.
2: My, uh, another thing I love, I'm sorry, I'm No, no, no. But in the middle of the book, there's um, a vignette with an you know, a, a oriental mirror and over a console, I mean a chest, and then you have the mirror image in black and white.
0: Yeah. I love the black oh, and white yeah. juxtaposition.
2: Look at the difference. Yeah, I see it. Looking at it in the color. and Because and, one,
1: I, you get to see the color and you enjoy the palette and you just, you know, all the things that we love about Miles' red design. And then you look at the other and it's all about the design and the right. the lines and the, you see, oh, I just love it. And it's look incredible.
2: how they match the chair, Megan. So the chair is like almost one in the middle. You see that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really. This this book, book. and and Miles, I don't mean to just keep gushing. This is coming from my heart. Seriously, this book is absolutely, I gotta say, top of my list of the design books I've seen yet. And I think what you just said about these are not just images that you've seen before, and what Linda was saying as well, which are that we're seeing different perspectives of rooms that we've all sat there and poured over. I think that's what makes one of the things that makes this just really such an. I think an important book for anyone who has a design library.
2: But you see things, you can't look at it once and put away so many design books. You look once, twice, put it away, and never go back. Yeah. This, you you see new things every time you open it.
3: Yep. Well, so my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know. I'm sorry to put you in that position, My work here is it's more curious stuff.
1: Talking about you like you're not here. I know. No, no,
3: no. No, I mean, please. My head is swelling like to to the size of. I'm gonna have to change rooms. Uh (laughs)
0: Um, Well, let us know when you have to move. What uh, now? You know, I think your work is really notable, and all these pictures definitely exemplify it. Is the the art? the art in the rooms. Yes. Do you find, um, are, do you spend a lot of time buying the art and helping the client, your clients acquire yeah, the art I, or are they coming I with their do, own collections?
3: I do actually, because I mean, to me, that is what kind of art and books and, and kind of objects and furniture are, are the things that, that drive me. People are like, and, and color, but like I am not, you know, some people are real kind of textile people. And I, I'm i not going to say that I don't love textiles and fabrics. and But to me, it is like, give me a great floor, a strong colored wall, and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful objects and amazing kind of strong artwork and uh, fantastic books, and I'm done. Um, and so I feel like one of the ways that I shop is I'm, you know, go to auctions and tag sales and I just see so much stuff and I just send it to all my clients and they're like, yes, we love it. We love it. We love it. But that's what makes rooms exciting when you walk in and there's something incredible on the wall. Mm -hmm. And even though a lot of the stuff that's on there is just decorative or stylish or, you know, I, I, I sort of struggle sometimes with the kind of contemporary art world of, you know, things being, being amazing, but at the same time, like, it's almost the emperor has no clothes at times yes. for me, uh-huh. um, but I guess it's a whole intellectual kind of business world that I'm not sure I understand. But Ooh, it's so to subjective. Do. It's so subjective.
2: Miles, I'm curious. Your clients typically have a lot of input, or or how, how do you, know
3: you, what? you work it with the projects? Project, are project. Pro- you know, some people are super involved, and some people are you do it, um, and. You know, it, it's honestly the 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 my favorite is when someone's involved but they they'll trust me. Do you know what I mean? And like when I when they're like, I'm not sure about that, and if I feel really strongly about it and can push back, they're like, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I can't say actually. <laughs> I'm working on a project and I had there I had another original idea. <laughs> <laughs> my third an original idea. <laughs>
2: Sorry, I did. So, I agree. Um, so
3: really. um, I uh, and and they were like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'm sure." And so, it, it's great when someone sort of will trust you, yeah. and um, you don't it, always get. That. I can't well, believe
2: they asked.
1: questioned it. You Though
3: you're, you're you're as good as your clients. You are as good as your clients.
2: There's uh, a famous. I don't remember which magazine it was in, but it's the red sofa, and it's got a very graphic, black and white, contemporary. Artwork above it, from and time. then the the fabric in the chairs is yes, and then you bring in the third with the pillows with the zebra. Know. No, there's no zebra. It's just a black oh, and white.
3: There is zebra on the benches. <laughs> oh, I don't
2: see the benches.
3: Not this oh, familiar. maybe it's not in the the picture. But there are there is a pair. You know what? I guess I do love. I, I guess if anything, my my fabric sensibility comes from sort of graphic. Sort of impact, and I like the sort of play of disparate objects like something organic next to something geometric, something slick next to something crumbly, something satin next to something linen, and that kind of tension that you get to me makes exciting decoration like a modern painting above an 18th century console, like that sort of play, Mm. sort of opposites next to each other but creating harmony is how I would describe decorating. But, like, I guess in that sort of, you know, scenario where you're noticing all these sort of black and white things, there is some sort of play. Like, the the pattern, the trapunto stitch that's on those chairs is kind of organic. And the the black and white Klein is, is kind of sort of sloppy but graphic. And then the zebra is kind of... Um, stripey, and I don't know, it just it all worked.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like that, the painting couldn't be, it's like, it was just custom done, I mean, for the room, it's incredible. Mm-hmm.
3: They had that painting, and I knew that that was going to go above the mantel, I mean, above the, the sofa in the living room, uh-huh. and so I did kind of, like, think, well, why not play off of it? Why not uh-huh. work around? And so, I like it when things incredible. relate. I, I, to me, that's interesting. A lot of times, people, I think you know, I think real purists don't like to decorate around the art or, or to work with it. I'm a decorator's decorator. Yeah. yeah. And oh, you know, yeah. I like it when things match.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I hate when they go, don't let the artwork match. I don't like that. glad like, that
3: you said that? It's even better when it's like, oh, my God, that's the perfect surrounding or the perfect yeah. background color for this painting. Yeah. You know.
2: Good. Okay. Well, I think it's kind of I, says it's okay. Yeah. Says it's
0: okay. Right. Exactly. The other way is I think what people maybe object to more is that you decorate a room and then you pick a piece of art that completely matches the room like a pillow might match the room as opposed to loving the art or for its you, own sake. You you pick
1: up artwork that's like from hotel liquidation sales and then yeah. you match your thing i think the, the fact that it's a franz klein is sort of like it's you want to work with that you know what i mean if it's really great art it doesn't have to be I mean, yes long, and but. no
3: right. i mean i guess it is a franz klein and he did have a vision that you know has permeated through the the ages but it could have been just something that you i mean it could have been in a hotel liquidation sale is this sort of thing and i guess that's
1: I'm you know what? I, I think mean, you're absolutely me, right. I think I misspoke because you're right. Sometimes I have seen beautiful work, artwork done, and you'll go, "God, whose is this?" And then I go, "Well, it's my third graders." But thank you, totally. Yeah. So I, you're
3: right. I stand <laughs> corrected. I, I'm much more of like just a visual person and how it looks than the sort of. A sort of a name brand, or or or, yeah. or 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 sort of an intellectual. I mean, the person to me, like when I when I look at someone, and I was like, I look at a lot of contemporary art, and my thought is, well, if I can do it, it's not worth buying. But you look at someone like Sargent or Vermeer, mm-hmm. like and. Those are, to me, like the masters Mm -hmm. where I'm like, how did they manipulate the paint to do Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. There was just a, um, a bouillard exhibit that I saw at the Jewish museum, which was extraordinary. And you just think like, that was a real, to me, like there was a skill, like talk about like color juxtapositions and light and graphic lines and like. And not to sort of say that, you know, one is better than the other, because I think all artists have a sort of driving passion of something that sort of makes them do what they do. But I guess the whole like contemporary world and like what has value and what doesn't have value, I, I do find kind of curious because... There are paintings that I've seen at auctions that look like sergeants that are amazingly well painted that go for nothing. And then something that is not particularly interesting that can go for a gazillion dollars just because it's by, you know, Rothko or Cy Twombly. And like, yeah, even though those are two paint- uh, painters I adore and love, you just sort of wonder why that is. But,
2: you know, speaking of Cy Twombly, I mean, as much as I love him too, that is something that you can usually bake, you know. Yeah, and stuff. I have. You know, I
3: have. Sometimes you just need some chalk scribbles. (laughs) But I do. I mean, to me, that I mean, talk about Houston. That um, that Rinzo Piano Museum in Houston is probably one of my favorite places in the world. And like, if you were to Google it and look look at pictures, it just doesn't even capture the kind of the space and the grandeur and that kind of. What I love is that it's in this sort of Roman temple, and then it's his kind of, you know, incredibly naive scribbles, but just on a scale that is beyond magnificent. I think, like, the canvases are, like, 50 feet by 30 feet, just covering one whole wall, and then it's just kind of like a travertine floor for decades. Is that the only house you've done in Houston? I, you know, it is. It is the only house that I've done in Houston. I, I am working on another one currently, but um, oh, really? that's the only finished one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I am. Yes. I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, now, Miles, okay. tell us about your um, your company. How many people do you have working with you? And if you don't mind sharing, you know, how many oh, projects? At all. How many I projects have, do you work oh, on?
3: I there there are I guess besides me four other people so five people in the office and um we are just a, a lean tight team um it is lauren karis elizabeth malmo blake brunson and david Taihai, and they are all brilliant and deserve to be lauded 10 times more than i do because they are the ones that kind of keep everything sort of moving forward and keep everything sort of like organized and 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 all of them have amazing taste and sort of horse sense and just each one is more brilliant than the next and i we we have such a great time in the office because a we all get along we all respect what each person does and um we spend a lot of time together so we have fun where are your offices physically Um, located it's on Bleecker and Broadway, which is, mm-hmm. like, downtown in the village, mm-hmm. four blocks from where I live, which is very nice. That is very nice. I'd like,
0: I'd like to just say that of all the people we've interviewed, and we have we usually do ask about what, you know, how big your staff is, you're the only person that actually named your the people in your company, which I think is really nice.
3: Oh, oh my God. They're, like, it is decorating. I always, like, if I ever go to, like, a party or, like, a fantastically beautiful house i always like it takes a gay village <laughs> it's always my running joke and i mean oh my god it, it, it what you really want to list is not only the people that are helping you but it's the upholsters, oh, the yeah. painters the curtain makers like the you know the metal worker the floor guys the like the marble guys the 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 hardware guys, there's so many things that go in. It is such a, like, David S. Selznick production. (laughs) And so I, I feel like, you know, I'm in the curious position of getting most of the credit and, like, knowing for sure that it's I couldn't have done it alone. I always feel sort of awkward because it's not just me. It's me and about a thousand other people. Um I'm
2: curious but how
3: old you are now. I am forty-three.
1: No way. Yeah. I was so wanting to ask that question, Jody, and oh, I was like, it's geez, so rude geez. of me.
3: Clean
0: you also that.
1: here's and I, I had this I'm weird I, like thirty. I, oh my god, I, I thought you were younger 30. than that. You have thank the best you. okay, another thing you can um thank your parents for, you have incredible skin. Well, I will say that. I told Linda this, I said, He his skin is beautiful. <laughs> it's like flawless. I hope your sister got that too. Um,
3: she, uh, we we were blessed. We were blessed with uh, um with young jeans i will i do think my, sure. my parents that uh, yeah. well look
1: how beautiful in that picture from their wedding
3: they're, <laughs> they still beautiful. look exactly the same <laughs> they look exactly <laughs> like that they really
1: I, do. I when i first looked at that photograph i didn't realize it was actually your parents until i started then reading flip back and looked at it again you know and then i went through and figured okay that must be sarah his sister Exactly. Started yeah. stalking all the pictures, yeah, seeing no, the no.
3: similarities. You can um, you can deduce who the people are if you if you sort of read through the lines. And the the funny thing is, and I'll kind of give, you know, listeners and you a sort of insight, the it opens with my townhouse in New York. And then it goes into my, um, the, my first apartment, my apartment in college, which was sort of the apartment I described on 14th street between Avenue B and C. Um, and it shows you sort of, I guess, you know, all the things that were going on in my mind, there are my my house in Fire Island, which is that there's a sort of a, a, a beach house. It's very, very beige and very, very simple. That's my house in Fire Island, which is kind I of the... I
2: was wondering
3: if that was yours.
0: Yeah. It's, it's my kind of... It's the outlander. To
3: all of like, <laughs> yeah. the decorating. Like, I love it all, but like you do want to get away from it. And, and and the funny thing is like high-style, fancy decoration it changes how people feel and like I'm completely comfortable in it it's you know what I do and it's how I live but you know you have a lot of I have a lot of friends and 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 I can tell when someone walks in and they're not exactly comfortable and so th- th- that was kind of a learning process for me um and I went
2: which your apartment in your first apartment was that yeah, your that's here. That's
3: my, my, like Wait, which my one? Well, it's my current one. Okay. It's, it's actually the second chapter of the book, and it's sh- it's a it's like a it opens with um a picture of me laughing my head off, which is with your what? sister no, no just a, it's just a, okay. a black and white photograph of me laughing and then it's it's at the very beginning it's like sort okay. of the, the sort of second number two I think yeah um and it's it. I think there's a quote in the beginning from like Carl Lagerfeld like I've owned a bunch of stuff in my life and I always <laughs> laugh <laughs> um Cause I guess that what it taught me is like I you know I've always been kind of a hoarder collector. I'm not actually I'm not a hoarder. I I actually realized that it's all just stuff, and you kind of it moves. It you just keep moving it to change it up, and that if you hold on to too much of it, it sort of can be a creative trap. the The 14th Street apartment was like I, I didn't have a lot, but I was inspired by the sort of bloomsbury group and like i just had a bunch of kind of like clutter but it was clutter that i kind of made like all the sort of life drawings that you see on the walls were things that i had done and i would just black tape them to my refrigerator and just do things like that and um i guess it sort of shows you the early formulation of my mind
1: you know i love that you included those What's going on with the with the lobster
3: in the ceiling? Oh, you no, know, that's that, that's Allison's um, bathroom in New York, and we actually hung those up for a Halloween party. Uh-huh. looks so much that we left them. But I have to give her credit. I mean, she has such an amazing eye and so much like sort of skill, and I I, I feel like. That was completely her idea and her kind of sensibility, but I wanted to put it in the book just because I think it's such an amazing image. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, that comes from sort of like collaborating, you know, with someone and uh, um, that I learn just as much sometimes from my clients as, I, as I, I'm giving them. And uh, um, that can be a really like sort of rewarding experience. And then with the sort of Peggy Guggenheim like on the sort of opens her chapter and like to me you know she is a great patron of the arts and has so much style in her own right and like it was sort of a, a, an homage to like the, the collaboration and you know she she, she is a designer a tastemaker in her own right.
2: Okay Miles I mm-hmm. see on the side of the building on that chapter the, your curtains but it's a, like an awning.
3: Are you in, in Allison chapter, or you No, in? on
2: the next one, chapter five, and there's a stone building, and on the side, there's like a pagoda.
3: Oh, yeah, that, you're, you're looking, that, that is a house, that, it, it's so funny, that's a house in Atlanta, um, and when I grew up as I was growing up, that was always my favorite house. It's by Philip Tremel Shetty, who was kind of Atlantis, David Adler and built all these fabulous Italian aid houses in the sort of 1920s and thirties. And that house is boxwood and this young attractive couple bought it. And she called me and she's like, I in, I live in Atlanta, and um, I bought this house called Boxwood, and I was like, "It's my favorite house in Atlanta." Whatever it takes. I'll just, what, what, I I doing? Doing? <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? And it's Danielle <laughs> Rollins who actually has a, a book in her own right, and is um, was also a sort of great collaboration. And um, it's funny that y'all were you were talking about like that sort of that was Shetzi who put that sort of pagoda awning above the front door and uh, I I love that and tried to use it's the same house that has the 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 image of the mirror in black and white and the image of the mirror in color that y'all were talking about so it's a Georgian house with kind of Chinese motifs and so we tried to take and use kind of vaguely Chinese motifs in and around the house and so a that Chinese Chippendale mirror in the living room
2: Uh uh-huh
3: Another example. Wow. Uh,
2: The house is so gorgeous.
3: I wondered what that was. So that's Um, in Atlanta. And that's in Atlanta.
2: (sighs) But that reminds me of your curtains, you know, the ones in Houston, and then there's another one that it's like,
3: it's interesting. Yeah, I I actually, I mean, I definitely, I don't know if that's exactly where I got that sort of shape from, but that is a shape that I love. I do love that kind of
0: graphic.
3: of the pagoda um, and I love kind of valances that have some sort of architectural to me it's a like decorator architecture and um, it just creates line and sort of can be this sort of this wonderful juxtaposition to cornices and um and the softness of 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 curtains. So,
1: did Nick Olson work for you?
3: He did, he did, he did, and he's doing so well. I'm so proud of him.
1: Gosh, his work though. You, I mean, I'm I'm not sure because I don't know what it looked like before he was in, around you. But there's such an influence that I see so, with him,
3: and, and of course, there's going to be an influence. But yeah, he, is, he has so much style and taste, oh. and.
1: Yeah, there's a difference between the two of you, but I love, because I love what you do so much, I love what he does. He's enormously talented um, in his own right, but um, it's interesting because he, I notice he, the thing that draws me to his work are his strong colors and the pagoda, the, you know, the lantern, the pagoda, that curvilinear, um, Mm -hmm. you know, feel to things. It just seems to balance a really graphic and strong color out.
3: He is gonna go so far. I'm just—it's so—it's so fun to kind of watch his ride. He's a super talent, and so nice, and so funny, and so cool, and just like I'm—I'm I'm just every time I see something that pops up of his, I just—I feel like a proud father. <laughs> <laughs> it must be you how Bunny else, feels. One of
0: my favorites
2: of, of yours are your bedrooms. I love the way. You always use, well, you don't always, but you use a lot of canopies and then you use a lot of the hand painted wallpapers. I just think they're
3: beautiful. I, you know, I feel like people today, I mean, at least I know I do, I live in my bedroom. It is kind of like command central. I just think of everybody living in their bedroom and, um, and, And I feel like, you know, a bed is such an opportunity, do you know what I mean, to make some sort of... I always think of myself as, you know, Cleopatra floating down the Nile. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want out of an experience of being in my bed. Um, And so I... um, I like canopy beds because I think they give you sort of instant drama. But I also like I like I like all kinds of bedrooms. But um, uh,
2: well, you know what? When you move, really all you need is a bedroom, and you have parties in your bathroom. So I mean, you, know, you need all that space.
3: That one thing that I do not have is like uh, you know I live in a townhouse, and all the rooms are kind of like small and cozy i mean the bathroom is like a big bathroom but again it is odd that that's your entertaining space (laughs) (laughs) come on out um (laughs) and so um that is kind of my plan like in when my sister moves out is to sort of take her she, she has a living room and a dining room and a kitchen and like a bedroom and a bathroom and sort of just make it one big kind of lofty space and i'm excited to kind of transform it into a um a big kind of space that you can just walk in and, like, you know, you can comfortably have 20 people in a room, no problem. Oh, so I can't wait do to see you, that.
2: do you, like, think about it at night? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. If there is one thing, like, I dream about decorating. Like, I mean, I definitely go to sleep, and I have incredible dreams about rooms that I wake up and I think, oh, my God. God, like where did that come from? And I can't even begin to describe them. <laughs> um but but it's it's definitely in my subconscious.
2: Have you do you ever like before big insulation, do you get nervous or are you oh, just so always. sure of yourself?
3: Hmm, always. No no no, please. Um as my father says, fear of failure will keep you on your toes and you you're always nervous and worried. I mean, for sure. I mean You know, you do everything as as much as you can, like to you know make sure it's going to be perfect and beautiful. But you know, there are just caveats that happen. Like this is a job where a gazillion things can go wrong. Like things can get damaged. Like things can get scratched in transit. Um, you know, were the plans wrong? Did you measure something wrong? I mean, there's just a million things. And yeah, uh, uh,
2: yeah, me. Sleep the night before, but I was just curious if someone at your level shows no, the same thing. Yeah, no, no.
3: I'm always like. But, I mean, I will say, like, I, I get to a point where I, I, I know that all problems can be fixed. And you if you've worked really hard and you've done as much as you possibly can, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm also super excited. Like, it is, like, Christmas ten times over for me when I finally get to, like, put it all together and, like, see it all come to life. And, you know, you just know it's going to be beautiful and you feel really, like, thrilled that you've had the opportunity to get to do it.
2: So you're there on site at a big installation from morning till night. Oh uh, well,
3: yeah, I everything mean, do it yourself. I like doing everything. Like I, um, you know, everybody on my team does everything, and um, you know, like you were screwing in light bulbs and making up beds and you know, dusting under floorboards that the contractor missed and putting up books and I mean that's that's how it gets done the way you want it to get done. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could say that, like, I just show up and say, where's that peach pillow? <laughs> um, but, but I don't think that's how it works. I actually once read a, um, there's a great book by Christian Berard called To the One I Love Best, which is sort of a, a, like a love story to Elsie DeWolf. And he said that Elsie would come in and sort of look around the room and say, I want a pair of leopard banquettes, I want a little French stool, I want, you know, a faux toy and apricot silk, I want, you know, chinoiserie walls, I need, you know, a writing table over here with a bull yacht lamp, and like, just sort of walk around and describe everything, and then she would come back, like, you know, two months later expecting everything to be sort of exactly perfect. And like, she would be like, where's that throw pillow? <laughs> <laughs> so I think she probably did work that way, which I find fascinating. Yeah. How, does,
1: how do you make that? How do you create that it world? The,
3: it was the thirties. Yeah. I think it was the thirties and lots, lots of servants. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love the story. It's a good book if you don't have it. Yeah. I always, I always love to give that to like, Friends or someone that I adore to the one I love best, the title. Alain, I, I want to go get the
2: Bruce Weber book. I don't
3: have that one. Yeah. It's called House is Not a Home. And it is such... Like, I don't understand why, like, the World of Interiors doesn't hire him to do, like, an entire magazine. Like, because his... It, it, it really... It, like, I, I love his sense of interiors and his sense of kind of juxtaposition. And it's got, like, the Duchess of Devonshire. It has C. Guest. It has, like, a surfer family in California. It has Cedric Gibbons. Um, it has um, Siegfried and Roy. Like, it has all these famous people that he took, like, pictures of. But it's really just so extraordinary. And I think, I, I just love his, his sensibility and his, his photograph and the thing that's made him like when you read his his thing he's talking about like sort of CZ blonde hair and like Brooke Astor's dog paintings and off, I think people just think of him as sort of the man behind like Abercrombie and Fitch but he's got so much more and so much taste and style I love him so much fun and well, I just thank want to say so thank much. for having me on you. your show and please let me know when you're going to air it it's been a delight and y'all are all terrific
0: thank you so thank much you yeah. so thank much. you so much this is the Skirted Roundtable with Megan Arquette from Beach Bungalow 8 Joni Webb from Code to Texas and I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings thank you so much for joining us you can visit us online at www.skirtedroundtable.blogspot.com or Download our podcasts from iTunes, search for The Skirted Roundtable. Thanks again, and we'll be back soon.